Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Remember, repent, and repeat. Remember the first works, what worked at first. You remember your first love when you couldn't wait to spend time with the Lord? It was a get-to, not a got-to. Remember? Remember that? Remember the first works, what worked at first? Repent. Do a 180. Turn around and repeat. Do what worked at first. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ezra. As we continue in our relationship with God, it can be easy to lose zeal and become lukewarm. In today's message, Pastor J.D. gives us a game plan to help ensure we don't experience this in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. We must remember when we first fell in love with Him, repent of our sinful ways, and repeat what we did at first and what worked. Remember, repent and repeat. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Ezra, chapter 3, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. What I'm really starting to realize is the importance of verbalizing. And I'll explain what I mean. In Psalm 91, we're told that we're to say the Lord, say out loud. And we're going to see this here in a little bit too. Out loud, say, the Lord is my refuge in him I will trust. Now, why is that important? Because there's something about saying it out loud and hearing yourself say it. So in my office, uh, in my house, I, I have this little area where I walk back and forth and I'm, I'm talking to the Lord, I'm praising the Lord, and I'm doing it out loud. Not in my mind. What I'm finding is when I do it in my mind, I, I wander, right? And so I, I do it when I'm walking and I'm talking and I'm praising Him and I'm praying. And then I got my Bible right there and I've got my computer software right there, my Bible program. And so I'm, I'm kind of walking up to it and I'll, I'll read a, a psalm or verse in the psalm. Then I'll, I'll walk around and I'll start. Now don't, don't get me wrong here. I'll start claiming it. Oh, one of those, huh? You know what's really sad? The whole name it, claim it, word, faith group has really damaged, I think unnecessarily, this truth about claiming the promises of God. And I think what's really sad is, is that Christians have thrown the proverbial baby out with the bathwater. And we've gone to the other extreme, lest we become grouped in with and labeled as, you know, the name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. You know, there are promises throughout the pages of Holy Writ that are there for us to claim. And I claim them out loud. You promise this, Lord. It's in your word. And I'm claiming it. I don't see it, but I'm claiming it. And I do it out loud. And when my kids walk up, they think, wow, Baba's losing his mind. He's completely lost it. <laughs> he's doing it. He's, Mom, you better go up and check on your husband. Anyway, but there's so much power in that. 
There's so much power in that. Let's, we're going to talk about that more in, in a little bit. So, but this was what I'm going to call the first works. And I think you'll see why in just a moment. This is the first works. And this was the problem with the church in Ephesus. The church in Ephesus, the first of, talk about another fantastic and fabulous study. It's in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, the seven churches. But the church of Ephesus was the first of seven churches. And Jesus has John, the apostle, banished to the island of Patmos, write seven letters to seven physical churches in Asia Minor, which would be modern day Turkey today. And they were all close in proximity on a postal route. And what's interesting about this first church is that they left, not lost, left their first love. And what's even more interesting is what they're told to do is exactly what the Israelites were already doing by building the altar and worshiping the Lord. I want to read Revelation chapter 2 verses 4 through 7. This is just a portion of that letter to the church in Ephesus. John writes, Jesus dictates and says, after commending them for what they were doing right, he says, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Now here's what you need to do. Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. What worked at first, the first priority, first things first, or else I will come to you and quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. I like how one summed it up with the three R's. Remember, repent, and repeat. Remember, repent, and repeat. Remember the first works, what worked at first. You remember your first love when you couldn't wait to spend time with the Lord? It was a get to, not a got to. Remember? Remember that? Remember the first works, what worked at first? Repent. Do a 180. Turn around and repeat. Do what worked at first. Your first love. Return to Repeat that which you did. Verse 4. We're moving right along, aren't we? They also kept the Feast of Tabernacles. We talked about that. As it is written, and offered the daily burnt offerings in the number required by ordinance for each day. Afterwards, verse 5, they offered the regular burnt offering and those for new moons and for the, all the appointed feasts of the Lord that were consecrated and those of everyone who willingly offered a free will offering to the Lord. From the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord. Although, interesting, the foundation of the temple of the Lord had not been laid. Don't need it. No need. No need. All I need is an altar. That's all I need. <laughs> That's all they needed. Now this is a, an important detail. I love it when there's details like this in the narrative because... This one has to do with their daily, notice daily, of their own volition. These are free will offerings to the Lord, but they're doing it without the foundation of the temple. 
Now, why is this important? Because it speaks to this principle concerning our worship of the Lord being more important than our service to the Lord. What do you mean? Well, you don't need the temple, but you do need the altar. You can have an altar without a temple, but not a temple without an altar. And so they don't need that, no need. All we need is the altar, first and foremost, first things first. Listen, you can be serving the Lord day and night, but if you're not worshiping the Lord at the altar, that service means nothing. It means nothing. And isn't it true for some, and I'll put myself in that category, that we can be so busy about serving the Lord that it cannibalizes our time with the Lord, worshiping the Lord. I remember when I was listening to this teaching by this pastor of a very large church on the mainlands many years ago. And he said he was on a plane, he was coming back from this speaking engagement, and he was traveling at the time, speaking all over the place, writing books, doing all these things. Church was growing, growing, going crazy, you know. And he's sitting in the plane during this flight, and he opens up his Bible to Psalm 23, the famous 23rd Psalm. And he starts reading, and he stops dead in his tracks, with the first two words. You know what they are. The Lord. <laughs> the Lord. That's right. The Lord. <laughs> His Lord. <laughs> oh yeah. Lord. The Lord. That's what it's all about. And he just sat there and he just wept. And he repented. It's like, Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm so sorry. I've been busy doing all of these things. Reminds me of the account with Mary and Martha and Jesus just saying to Martha, 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 what are you doing? Here's Mary sitting at my feet, just hanging on every word, being ministered to, being blessed. And there you are in the kitchen. And here's Martha getting mad at her sister. She, she's so mad at her sister, she tells Jesus, Tell her to get in here and help me. And, what, and Jesus is like, hey, Martha, chill out. I mean, that's not what he said. It's a very loose paraphrase, but calm down. Martha, what are you doing? You're busy about many things. What Mary's doing, she's chosen the better thing. Not that you're doing a bad thing, but this is the better thing. And no one can take it away from her. So don't try. Don't try. And that, that alone is a sermon unto itself. No one can take it away from her. How often it is that there's everything clamoring for and trying to take away from us that time where we're just sitting at the feet of Jesus. And that's what he was saying. No one's going to take this away from her. She's doing, this is her first love. I'm her first love. And that's why she's doing it. Um, verse 7. I just want to take this one verse by itself. Uh, again, I think you'll see why. They also gave money 
to the masons and the carpenters, and food, drink, and oil to the people of Sidon and Tyre to bring cedar logs from Lebanon to the sea, to Joppa, according to the permission which they had from Cyrus, king of Persia. Now, the reason I wanted to uh, separate this and just talk about it briefly is because it highlights the giving as an act of worship. In other words, it's a continuation of worship. That's why we always say for those wishing to worship the Lord with your tithes and offerings, it is an act of worship. It's a continuation. Some churches and you know, we don't receive an offering, nothing wrong with doing that. We just choose to have the boxes. But the churches that actually receive, they'll have the ushers come down. They'll receive the, the offerings and then they'll bring it up. The worship team is worshiping. People are worshiping. It's, we're, we're still worshiping. The giving is part of the worship service. And then they'll bring the, the tithes and offerings. Some will pray for the tithes and offerings before some will pray over the tithes and offerings after, but it's a very important part of the worship service. And that's what they're doing here. They're continuing their worship and their giving is part of that worship. Now, verse eight, in the second month of the second year of their coming to the house of God at Jerusalem, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, Jeshua, the son of Jazadak, and the rest of their brethren, the priests and the Levites, and all those who had come out of the captivity to Jerusalem, began work and appointed the Levites from 20 years old and above to oversee the work of the house of the Lord. Then, verse 9, Jeshua with his sons and brothers, Cadmiel with his sons and the sons of Judah, arose as one, there's that unity again, to oversee those working on the house of God. The sons of Henadadad, Henadad, something dad, <laughs> with their sons and their brethren, the Levites. When, verse 10, the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, to praise the Lord according to the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And notice verse 11. They sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Does this sound like a familiar song? For his mercies endure, his mercy endures forever toward Israel. Then I want you to pay particular attention to this. Then all the people shouted with a great shout. When they praise the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Okay, bear with me for, for a moment here, okay? And you'll forgive me for bringing this up, but dare I say that this is a praise and worship service. Right there, that's a praise and worship service. That's what it's supposed to be like. Now, Please don't misunderstand me. There are times for meditative worship. There are times, you know, where you're, you're going through a difficult trial and quite honestly, you don't feel like shouting and praising the Lord and thanking God. I mean, you're really struggling. And sometimes, you know, some songs are more of a cry. They're more of a prayer. 
And some songs are more of a praise and a, and a worship and a celebration of the goodness of God. And this is a, a celebration of the goodness of God. You know, sometimes during praise and worship, I want to be, I want to just shout. But then I know if I do, everybody's going to turn around and look at me, <laughs> go, wow, pastor is, um, you know. And, but sometimes I just, I just want to, I want to raise my voice and I just want to praise the Lord and I want to shout loudly to the Lord. I want to sing shouts of praise to Him for the good things He has done. Today I was on the receiving end of just the goodness of God, just a small thing, but it was huge. It was one of those little big things, if that makes any sense. I'm just like, God, you're so good. That was so cool what you did. I mean, I, mean I, I asked you for this and you did this. You did this. Thank you, Lord. You, and I just, I want to, and I, you know, I'll say things like, Lord, I give you all the glory Do your name. And nobody's around. I try, I try to do it in the car sometimes and then at a stoplight people look at me and it's, you know, they, they who cares what they think? Who cares what they think? But there's no holding back. There's no holding back. There's no reservation. There's no hesitation. They're singing. They're praising. They're thanking God for His goodness. I've been uh, talking, Leto and I have been talking back and forth about some of the things that we're really wanting to, and we really sense the Lord would have us to do concerning our worship. And one of the dynamics is we're trying to, and Mike's really helped us out tremendously with the the sound, which is a, a big part of it. The sound has to be right. But one of the gauges, the litmus test for me, is when people are singing. We have a, a great worship team, right? And they're up here, and then I'll be in the back. And I, I don't mean this in a negative way, but I just kind of like to see the condition of the flock during the praise and worship. And sometimes I just notice that, that people just aren't really worshiping. They're not really singing. The, the words are on the screen and the worship team is leading us in worship, but they're just kind of looking at the worship team. <laughs> and they're just watching the worship team sing. And to me that is I'd, li- I'd like for us to be, and I've shared this before, I want us to be a church that prays, but I also want to be, us to be a church that praises. Can I say that again? I want us to be a church that prays, but I also want to be a church that praises. I want to be a church that just is not bashful when it comes to praising God and worshiping God. And it's okay to get a little bit Pentecostal. Here again is one of those things where I think that the hyper-Pentecostalism has done great damage because we've, again, thrown out the baby with the bathwater and we're, 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 we kind of err on the other side and we're, we're so cautious. And then what happens is, and again, I don't mean that, I'm not trying to be derogatory here, but we become the frozen chosen. And I'm just as guilty of it. You know, sometimes I'm back there on a Sunday morning. I'm, I'm thinking about the teaching. I'm thinking about the prophecy update. And I'm, I'm, I'm just mouthing the words. I know the words to all the songs, right? You know, uh, like that, that one song we just did. I love that song, you know. 
I'm just, but then, but in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, wait, maybe I shouldn't use that example. Praise the Lord, <laughs> you know, hallelujah, you know, maybe I should bring up that verse and I'm not really worshiping. And then the Lord just kind of convicts me and says, well, you know, I thought you were going to worship me. And this is the time to praise and to worship. But they were shouting aloud with a great shout. And check it out. You know what they were shouting and praising the Lord for? The foundation. I mean, that's, we, we laid the foundation. Praise the Lord. Let's have a praise and worship service. Dude, it's just the foundation. I know, but it's the foundation. It's so, When we were renovating this, man, when we did the concrete in here, I was celebrating the concrete. We got the foundation in. I mean, you can't really see any difference yet, but we got the concrete down, man. The foundation is down. It's all downhill from now. Verse 12, But many of the priests and the Levites and heads of the fathers' houses, old men who had, this is interesting, had seen the first temple, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this temple was laid before their eyes. Yet many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the sound was heard afar off. In other words, the, the people who were shouting and praising and celebrating drowned out Apparently these really old guys that were not celebrating, they were weeping. And why? Well, here's what I'm thinking. If they were weeping because it wasn't like the first temple, because they had seen the first temple, and it had been at least 70 years since the first temple, then that means that they would have to be at least, I guess, 80 years old, if my math is right. They would have been 10 years old, or maybe 20 years old, which would make them at least 90 years old, because they had to have seen the temple and remembered the temple. In all of its glory, that first temple that Solomon built, and you remember how glorious that temple was. So they had to be really old. And I guess if you're 80 or 90, that would, and if you're, you listen, I, I love you. I, I, if you're 80 and I know actually there are a couple that praise the Lord, but these old men, I, I say that affectionately, were weeping. And the question becomes why? We love the insight Pastor J.D. brings to this series as he digs into the book of Ezra. We hope you've learned a lot, but more than that, we hope that this radio program helps to draw you closer to Jesus. Prayer is very important to us here at In Spirit and Truth. We want you to know that we continually pray for our listeners. We'd like to invite you to be praying with us as this powerful ministry goes out over the air. Pray for the Spirit to work in the hearts and minds of the people who will hear Pastor J.D.'s message and pray that we will always seek the Father's will for this program. If you enjoyed today's message and want to hear more from Pastor J.D. Farag, find us online at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click Listen at the top of the page. 
We have so many ways for you to connect with us, including our Facebook and YouTube pages, where we'd love to have you join the conversation. Pastor J.D. also has a convenient way for you to stay connected. Yes, I do, Josh. You can download the In Spirit and Truth mobile app on any device and listen anywhere, anytime. Our app includes our studies through the Bible, book by book, chapter by chapter, and verse by verse, as well as our Bible prophecy updates. Many are finding the mobile app to be very helpful in this fast-paced world in which we live. To find the link to our app, you can go to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Thanks, Pastor J.D. That's all the time we have for today, but be sure to join us again. May your day and week be blessed as you continue to grow in spirit and truth. With you.